We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com here today for the second time in week two with Bears Insider Aaron Lemming. How you doing? Oh, man. It's uh, getting towards the end of the week. It's been a long week, so I'm definitely glad it's almost over. Yeah, I, I'm excited we're doing these uh, podcasts twice a week. I, I like the fact that we were able to really go over uh, the week one loss to the Atlanta Falcons in a lot of detail and not have to, uh, you know, split that up with a, a podcast here. We can kind of focus on what's been going on during the week and then really uh, get into some of the uh, finer points of the upcoming game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Bears' first road game. Uh, but the big news this week, the uh, Bears uh, will be without, well, most likely will be without Jarrell Freeman uh, for the rest of the season. He has a torn pectoral in the Bears' have put him on injured reserve. I wrote about it this week about how uh, big of a deal this is. And, you know, it's not as if uh, we're talking about Patrick Willis in his prime. Freeman's never been to a Pro Bowl. But I think for a number of different reasons, when you add them all up, this is a huge loss for the Bears. But I wanted to get your take on it first. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, this is somebody who is easily the best inside linebacker and that's nothing against uh Danny Trevathan I mean Jarrell Freeman's just really good I mean he's going to give you anywhere from 8 to 12 uh tackles a game he's the leader of the defense I mean he was the one making all the play calls I mean I don't think you can discount that whatsoever uh so yeah I mean it's definitely a big loss but it's also I would say a big opportunity for Nick Kwiatkowski to kind of step in because now what you have is you have a situation where Freeman's what 31 or 32 whatever it is and he's going in the final year of his deal next year and he's, he's still on a cheap deal uh but I think the Bears are going to be able to get an extended look at Kwiatkowski to see 
I mean, is this somebody that they can really rely on in the future? I mean, is this somebody who can be a starter for them? I think he can. I think he's a little limited in terms of uh, pass coverage. Because, I mean, when you look at Drew Freeman, this is a guy that is very good against the run, and he can also cover tight ends and, you know, cover the short and intermediate game pretty well. So I, I think you're really going to see how Nick Kwiatkowski is going to be able to handle this. And if this is something, a role that he can step into – and, you know, I mean, there's it's not going to be a seamless transition, but if he can even show flashes of what Freeman was able to do, I think this is a big uh, a big opportunity for him. But it's 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 a big loss for the Bears defense. There's really no way around it. Yeah. And I think when you look at Freeman, you look, first of all, you look at his production. He's had 95 or more tackles in every single season. Uh, the only the only year he was under 100 tackles was that year he got 95. And last year he played 12 games. Uh, four due to the suspension that he missed, and he still had 110 tackles. So, you know, you talked, I think it's an overused term when we say tackling a machine, but that's really what Jarrell Freeman is, and he's a uh, one of the more dependable run defenders. He's a guy who, like you said, gets everybody lined up pre-snap. That's important, having a guy who knows the defense, who's in cahoots with the uh, head coach, and understand, you know, is the quarterback of that defense. That's huge to have that guy out there, Freeman. Uh, was going into that, you know, another year under Fangio. There was that chemistry between those two, and that's gone. So now you lose a locker room leader, you lose an on-field leader, and you lose your best all-around inside linebacker, a guy who you're not going to be able to, I don't think, replace with just one player. I I think you're right. I think this is a great opportunity for the Bears to see what they really have in Kwiatkowski. It's a great opportunity for Kwiatkowski to improve because he's going to get those snaps. He's going to have to be out there for a lot of coverage snaps and Hopefully, you know, for the sake of the defense, he can get better, and those reps will help him, uh, you know, develop at a rapid pace. But I do still think he's a limited player, and I don't think, I think you're going to end up seeing what we saw a lot last year is Christian Jones coming in on third downs. I also think this puts a lot of pressure on Danny Trevathan, who, again, not on the injury report, and you know, apparently is 100% healthy, but uh, Bears did rotate a little bit for him in the second half last week, and you know, you you just wonder. You know, it, it's such a difficult injury to come back from. I know he's not in the injury report, but you just wonder making him play 100% of the snaps, making him be this focal point, the centerpiece of the defense. If that puts him more at risk of getting injured. You know, I just think it really shuffles everything. It takes your be- first of all, it takes your best player off the field, other than Akeem Hicks, and then it reshuffles everything into a bunch of situations that aren't secure. And then all of a sudden, you you went from a point of having you know the most uh, stable inside linebacker, uh, arguably in the NFL, to a group of guys who all have question marks, and it's going to be up to Fangio to really mix and match these guys and figure out the best way to do it. Do you think? I mean, from what we've seen out of Kwiatkowski, do you think he's up to the task, or are we still going to see some of the same problems that we saw last year? I think he's going to be improved this year. I, I think he could be much improved. He's he's done some things, at least I saw in preseason. I mean, he, he played a decent amount of snaps. Uh, well, I'd say decent amount, but, I mean, he had some snaps this, this last game. So I think, I mean, it, it's going to be a downgrade. I mean, I hate to say that, but, I mean, it's going to be a downgrade either way you look at it. So... It's just a matter of, I mean, this is a big development year for him. And, and fortunately for Freeman, I mean, this is somebody who spent a decent amount of time in the CFL before he came in as an NFL rookie. So, I mean, he's in his, what, sixth year in the league, and he's already in his 30s. So this is probably not a guy that was going to be a long-term solution for them anyway. So when you look at it in that regards, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, 
it, I mean, it's it's tough. So we'll we'll see. But it, and I saw Terrell Freeman actually posted on Instagram earlier that he tore his pec in the first play of the game when he took uh, Devontae Freeman down on that that tackle, which I thought was. I mean, how do, how do you even do that? I That's mean, it's insanity. Yeah, I don't know. If if I did that, I'd be on the ground crying like a child for the next two or three weeks. So that's <laughs> it, it's it's tough. I mean, it's it's not a very good situation. But the my one thought, and I guess it's an optimistic thought, is out of any any position that the Bears could have an injury, I think probably maybe outside of defensive line, I, I think inside linebacker is probably one of their better uh, depth positions. I mean, you got yeah. Kwiatkowski and and Jones. Not saying that he's gonna. You know that they're going to be able to pull a slack, but I, I just think it's it's at least a position where they have somebody to step in versus you know another you know position like maybe receiver for example. Right. I don't know. <laughs> just comes to mind. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, there is decent depth there, and there are some guys with some potential there. And it, you know maybe maybe it won't be a back breaking uh, a loss, but it's a, a substantial loss. And I think people who are just saying that the bears are going to be okay. And they have a, you know, it's not such a big deal. I don't, I don't think they understand how uh, important uh, Joel Freeman was to that defense, but we'll see what Kutowski can do. Uh, we'll stick with the injury report here and just talk about uh, Kyle Long. Looks like he's thinking about coming back. What have you seen from him on uh, social media? Uh, well, from everything I, he posted, and keep in mind, I don't have Instagram. I usually have people send me stuff, but he posted something on Instagram along the lines of he was eyeing coming back this week or something, and he posted something else on Facebook along the lines too. So, I mean, there's no guarantee, but the fact that he continues to practice, I, I think a lot of it's mental for him at this point. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm completely off base with that, but it, it seems like he actually wants to be out on the field, which is something he's very vocal on social media. I mean, there's really no way around that. So. And he hasn't really said anything up until this week about you know actually wanting to be out there. So I I think it sounds like he's getting close, and maybe we see him this weekend. Well, I can guarantee he wants to be out there. Just knowing Kyle Long and being, having been around him for the last few years, I think they they probably have to you know put a leash on him to hold him back from getting out there. I think this is more the Bears just making sure that he's a hundred percent, and they're not going to push him out there before he's he's ready to go. He has been limited this week, and you know I I wonder. At what point is he not going to be limited? That that it, when I see that, that might make me believe that he's going to be uh, at a point where he should be out there. Now there, he might be limited all week, and he might convince the coaching staff to let him play this week, and that might put him at a little extra risk. I don't know, but I, I, I do know that Kyle Long wants to get out there, and I do know that the Bears would be better off if he is out there. Uh, but I, I I wouldn't do it unless he's a hundred percent, and I think that's really the path the Bears have been on. So I don't I don't think they're all of a sudden. Uh, because they're 0-1, you know, start rushing Kyle Lawn out there. They're, they're obviously have taken their time up to this point, and I don't, I don't see that changing. So if he's out there, it will be an upgrade. I think that helps Cody Whitehair. I don't think Tom Compton played poorly at all. Uh, had a couple of bad snaps, but I thought Tom Compton was pretty good at left guard uh, last week. But surely Kyle Long can uh, uh, give a little bit more up front in that front five. Finally, you talked about wide receiver. Uh, Kevin White officially placed on IR. Tanner Gentry called up, and there's the potential that Kevin, or I'm sorry, Marcus Wheaton might play this week. So if you're looking at Kendall Wright, Marcus Wheaton, and uh, Tanner Gentry, Josh Bellamy, Deontay Thompson, how you feeling? <laughs> oh man, that's this is like Lovey Smith era receivers right here. I hey, you know what? Bears fans can rejoice, and it's, it's funny. I've seen some of the the the, the funniest 
reactions on Twitter, especially to the Bears' account when they when they finally promoted Gentry to the 53-man roster. I saw some dude post. He said something about, we've been waiting for this for months. It's like the guy was on the practice squad. He'd been cut and was on the practice squad for 10 days. Like this isn't this this hasn't been some huge development over the year. I mean, this guy just got put placed on you know the the practice squad. So I. It's man, I, I don't know. I, I I went back and watched it. And I'm sure we'll get into it later, but I went back and watched some of the All 22, and uh, man, they it's there was definitely spurts uh, where the receivers had trouble getting open. But I mean, it's just something as simple, and I think it's just the talent level and the fact that a lot of these guys haven't been on the field much. But I mean, even something as simple as awareness within your route. I mean, if you're if you're running your route and you see nobody around you, you should probably turn around and look for the ball i mean just just a thought and and that was something that i I really it's a little concerning um so it's it's going to be very interesting to see if they can add a speed element in and i mean tanner gentry's i'd say i'd classify him as a a pure receiver i think marcus wheaton's going to be a guy that's going to run nothing but nine routes because that's usually what he does but at least you can get some sort of uh, I guess guys that actually resemble receivers uh, in there and uh, hope hope for the best. I don't know. I think what uh, this does is it, it brings the, the Bears to a point, like you pointed out, Marcus Sweeten really only goes down straight ahead. You know, he really he, he flies down the field. That's what he's best at. He can get behind a defense. Deontay Thompson, same type of player. He can get behind a defense as well. He doesn't offer uh, the full route tree, uh, so to say. And, and then on top of that, I thought that Tanner Gentry was by far their best deep ball receiver uh, throughout training camp and into the preseason. I mean, it's not because he's able to blow blow past people, but I think he tracks the ball very well down the field. And he goes up and he high points it very well as well. I, I think this might force or at least allow Dow Loggins the opportunity or at least the impetus to throw the ball down the field a little bit more and maybe open it up. Because like we talked about uh, in the first podcast this week, uh, Mike Glennon's yards per attempt was atrocious last week. He took, it was a check down fest and... Uh, you know, maybe that's for, for the best, and that 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 limits your your you know the risk that you're putting the ball into. But I think with these guys, uh, you, you may not have any other options. So this might uh, open up the offense a little bit. We might see some more downfield passing, just because that seems to be the uh, common best trait among uh, some of the Bears' top receivers. I do think that a guy like Kendall Wright, who only had three catches, I want to say for 40 yards or something, 34 yards or something like that. Uh, the fact that he was invisible in game one was a little bit surprising to me. I think he'll probably be a little bit more of the focal point of the offense, but I think we're going to have to, uh, you know, really focus on those tight ends. I, you know, they tried, they looked for uh, Zach Miller late in the game, but I, I thought it was a little too late. I thought they should have gotten him going earlier. And uh, Dan Sims looked good in the in the few opportunities that he had. So I think we're going to see a lot more of those two tight end sets, and again, a lot more of Tariq Cohen. And just you know, this is a uh, this is a challenge that probably Dow Loggins has never faced. I mean, I know last season we, it kind of got to this point, but that was like week thirteen. <laughs> you know, this it, we weren't talking about this in week two. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what he does not only in the short term, but how he's going to be able to sustain this passing attack with this uh, limited amount of talent throughout then over the next. 15 games that's a long time so hopefully he's got a few uh, tricks up his sleeve now uh, we talked about this right before we came on the podcast and it's always great to talk about the quarterbacks in Chicago these days and there has been some uh you know we're not going to name names but some people who in the know are saying that there are some uh, guys behind the scenes who really want Mitch Trubisky out there after that first week 
Do you think it might be uh, the rookie show before uh, most people expect it? I think so. I, I think we're – and there's a few different ways to look at this. And I think part of it is obviously you can't pin everything good or bad on just a quarterback. But I, I think when you look at in terms of especially John Fox and his job security, I mean you're talking about a guy who I don't think can afford an 0-3, 0-4 start. So I think this is a big game because ultimately you have Mike Glennon who has a familiarity of their offense. So not only is that going to help him, but that will help the defense uh, as well. So, I mean, and he ran the scout team, so he's, he's familiar with their defense. So <laughs> I think this is I, I think this is a very good opportunity uh, for him to really showcase what he's going to be able to do. But I, I think it's kind of getting to a point just seeing how things are going uh, and how they progress in preseason and how they were in the first game. I mean – you can't afford to have average quarterback play or below average quarterback play if that's what's going to be holding you back. And I'm not saying Trubisky is going to come in and be, you know, the second coming of Jesus Christ. But I think at a certain point in time, uh, I mean, if you're not winning games and you've got to go to him, what? And it's it's just a it's a tough situation because I don't want to pile on the Glennon. I really don't because going back and watching some of the All 22. I thought he actually that I mean he made he made his fair share of uh, I, I'd say too quick of reads I, I think he had a lot of predetermined reads before he even took the ball from under center and I think uh is some of his you know his ball placement was a little off but I'll tell you what you know especially watching that uh that that last drive he made especially that throw to Josh Bellamy on fourth down I mean that was a really really yeah. good throw and he made some very good decisions within those last two drives so I think it's just it, it's tough it's a tough to it's tough to evaluate this whole entire situation because they got crap receivers the offensive line I don't think was as bad as the four sacks led up to I think and I think that's kind of the biggest issue right now I think you look at Mike Glennon's lack of mobility is really hurting them I, and I think it's going to continue to hurt them because he's not somebody who's going to be able to escape uh, pressure and I think that's something with Trubisky that his mobility is able to give them another dimension of the offense even if that's not taking off running uh like you know deshaun watson's probably going to do tonight but i mean like he's going to be able to you know the the shed the pressure or step up in the pocket or move around in the pocket and create more more time for his receivers to get separation i think that's going to be a big thing yeah i I was just about to mention mobility and i think mobility in general is is something that was not only noticeable in the game and i did some all 22 work at bearreport.com this week where i showed that naked uh, bootleg that they uh ran where Brooks Reed was just able to track down Mike Glennon almost immediately, and the play was uh, no, never had a chance because Reed was on him so quick, and Glennon had no chance of extending the play with his legs. But you look downfield, there was like four guys wide open. It was a beautifully designed play. Nobody but Brooks Reed was ready for it, and if you have a quarterback who can just add one more second to that play, then that ends up being a big play. Instead, it was like a 12-yard loss. So I agree, man, and I think that's what has uh, the folks within Hallis Hall salivating more than I mean we we know the kid has a strong arm we know he has good accuracy but I think what separates him from Mike Glennon right now is the mobility and I you talked about uh, how you didn't think he was gonna run like Deshaun Watson I don't think people realize how good of a runner Mitch Trubisky actually is I think they'd rather he didn't run too much but I I think He's the type of guy who can make a few guys uh, miss on third and seven, you know, with a guy in his face two yards from the third down. He'll, he'll get you those extra two yards. I mean, he'll outrun guys to the corner. I've seen him do it multiple times in practice. So, yeah, his mobility really, I think that's a great point. Uh, I think that's what the Bears are looking at right now. I think Dow Loggins is saying, hey, I have all these 
beautifully designed bootlegs that I can't run because my quarterback can't move at all. Yet at the same time, I have this kid who can just fly, basically, uh, who, who would make these plays, you know, better. Not just better than Lennon, but just off the page would make these plays plays better uh, because of his mobility. You know, when guys were, were coming in, when the, uh, when the Falcons blitzed and the Bears didn't pick it up, that was it. Glennon was done. He All he could basically do was protect himself. And I don't think you'll see that out of Glennon. I think Glennon has the mindset and the mobility and the athleticism to, you know, avoid that rush, avoid that, make a guy miss and still make a play down the field. I mean, we've seen what he can do on the run. So if he is able to make a guy miss, get out into the open, man, imagine what he's able to do. And then if nobody's open downfield, he has the speed to to get extra yards. I think, I really think that's a great point. And I think that, you know, if if Glennon's out there uh, taking sacks again, uh, you brought up a good point. A couple of those sacks were probably on him last week. That might be the impetus. And you and I talked about this beforehand. Uh, you've been told it. I've been told it. We believe that John Fox, Trubisky is John Fox's guy, correct? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I see the thing is, is I, I felt originally like he was the one holding this back. But I, I'm honestly not sure who's holding it back right now uh, because – at least, you know, I mean, we've both been told the same thing. I mean, John Fox wants to win. I mean, he needs a win. And I think the growing feeling within the organization, within the coaching staff, and within parts of the front office is that Mitch Trubisky is probably that guy. And I think it's just, I mean, li- listen to Dow Loggins talk. I mean, li- listen to him talk about the two quarterbacks and tell me which one he prefers. Because I can tell you right now, I, I, I can tell, I mean, he, he, he doesn't have a good poker face. And it's very evident when he talks about both guys who he likes better. Because honestly, his offense is going to look a lot better. It may take Trubisky a week or two to get in, in the rhythm or whatever it may be. But his, and, and he even said this, I mean, his playbook, I mean, the, 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 the offense is going to change. The playbook will be the same, but the offense is going to change, I think. And then when he says change... I think there's going to be a lot more capability to do more stuff. I mean, you pointed out the bootleg. That was sad. I, I, I mean, that, that looked like Peyton Manning back there. I'm pretty sure Peyton Manning had better mobility in his prime than Mike Glennon. And that's – it's like why even run that? I mean, Brooks Reed is not a very athletic guy. I mean, he had a good game. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from him, but he's not a dynamic pass rusher by any means. And that's that's kind of the thing is if, if you're limiting your offense to – essentially standing in the pocket and I think that's another issue because Glennon at least from what I saw from him in, in week one and what I've seen from him in preseason he has this tendency to want to get rid of the ball too quickly he wants to go to his check down option he wants to go to his first read right away and I think that's I think that's something he's got to break because honestly I think he has the ability I mean he has a good arm I think he actually has the ability to stand in the pocket and make good throws. And, and it's weird because I saw flashes. I'm sure you did too. If you did the all 22, I mean, there was, there were moments when he actually looked like a good quarterback, but there's so much inconsistency within his game. And then the lack of mobility, it's, just, it, it's, it's tough to see this ending well for him. And quite frankly, I mean, if they lose, I mean, you're talking about a, a team that started off 0 three the last two years. And I don't think they're a playoff team by any means, but I also think that they're a seven and eight, eight and eight, or seven and nine, eight and eight team with decent quarterback play, and, I mean, you can't afford to start off 0-3. I mean, 0-2, okay, whatever, but, I mean, if you – I just – I think if 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 Glennon cannot step his game up, 
and take it to another level and we see the same sacks and we see the same issues and, and just no dynamic you know, uh, ability within the offense, I think they might be forced to make a move to Trubisky. And quite frankly, I don't think Trubisky's going to look back. Yeah, and I, I think that there's probably one person maybe, 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 maybe his family, but one person in the Chicago area or within the Chicago fan base who doesn't want Trubisky out there, and that's Mike Lennon, you know. So I think the pressure is not only coming from all sides. I think it's it's starting to filter into the into Hallis Hall, into the coaching staff, and you can feel, like you say, you can feel that momentum. We felt it as it was beginning uh, during the preseason when he came out and looked a lot better than anyone expected, and you know, as just kind of continued along that path. Lennon is everything that we expected him to be and you know it's just kind of all uh, happening as we thought it was going to happen and I I think you and I both agree that it would it would be better if you know when we talked a few months ago it, it would be better if he didn't get out here early on but you know if the if the Bears have a defense that is good enough to hold you know the the uh, one of the best offenses in the league last year one of the best historically best offenses last year uh, to just 24 points, I, I think there's an opportunity that uh, you know with a, with a good quarterback out there, they can win some games, and it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could you know beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if if uh, uh, they had good quarterback play from a guy like Trubisky or the Steelers next week, uh, or potentially even the Packers or, or 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 the Vikings. I mean, you could win a couple of those games and to just throw them away because. I don't know why anymore. I mean, I think you're right. I think if it, it, the momentum is, is 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 building towards Trubisky being out there, and they're just kind of looking for a reason. It reminds me of the World Series last year when when uh, Joe Madden could not wait to get Kyle Hendricks out of the game, even though Hendricks was dealing. And I'm, I'm not saying that Mike Glennon's out there dealing at all, but Hendricks was just taking him down. And you could, still, you could tell that Madden had a foot up on that next step, waiting for Hendricks to do anything. And I think he eventually gave up a walker hit. I forget what it was. After he had gone through like 12 guys in a row, hadn't really... Uh, you know, putting them in any trouble. As soon as he put a guy on base, Madden was out there and got Lester in the game. And that's kind of what it feels like to me. We're in this situation where the Bears, John Fox, are looking for any reason. Like one pick six is all it's going to take to get Mitch Trubisky out there. I mean, that's that's kind of how it feels. Even even week two, even though it's only 0-1, uh, you're you trying to get that feeling. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how, what the Bears do in this uh, uh, story that's just not going to end anytime soon. Uh, but the Bears, Tampa Bay this week, they actually do have a little bit of an advantage. You brought it up a little bit earlier with Glennon. He knows this team. He, uh, you know, has it been the last four seasons. He's pretty much played with all the guys who are only a few new faces on this Tampa Bay team. So uh, he knows the defense. He, you know, he's played against this defense as as a stout team quarterback. Uh, faced these cornerbacks. No, you know they they know him as well, but at the same time, you know he can he can give a lot of information. How much stock do you put into that when you when you have a player from the opposing team on your team this year? I, I think, especially at the quarterback position and the role that he played, I think it's a decent, especially considering he's the one going out and starting. I, I, I think when you look at, I mean, he was a scout team quarterback. Uh, I think it was the last two years. So, I mean, he knows that defense. He knows what kind of offense they're going to run. But I mean, that kind of helps the defense. I think that's a little, maybe a little overrated. But I think when you actually look at what he knows against the defense, I think that's going to be big. I mean, this is really, I mean, it's, it, things are set up for him to have a big game. And I think there's, I think there's a few different reasons why the Bears have an advantage. I know a lot of people look at it and say, okay, well, the the Buccaneers. 
you know, they had two weeks to prepare for the Bears. But, I mean, realistically, no, they did not because last week they were all scattered all around the country with their families as, as, as the hurricane was going on and they were trying to get situated. And, I mean, ultimately, they just got back into town, into Tampa Bay on Monday night uh, for a team meeting, but they didn't even start practicing until yesterday. So I, I think people are putting a little bit too much stock into them having all this time to prepare for the Bears. Yeah, they do have one week's worth of game film, but, I mean, we're talking about week one where the emotions are high and, you know, teams sometimes play very weirdly, whether that be, you know, over the top good or, you know, very poorly. And I think the Bears have kind of got that other system. I think they've learned a little bit about themselves. And I think just with everything going on, with all the distractions, uh, I mean, really, they, they had a bye week to start off the year, but they're, they're not in the swing of the season, man. I mean, that, that's just really what it comes down to. And I could be completely wrong, but I think there's a lot of things going the Bears' way. Well, right now, I, I've heard I've heard people mention that as well, and I. I I would go back to uh, Hurricane Katrina, and you look at that Falcons uh, New Orleans games. You you don't think? I mean, that was devastation at the same, pretty much the same level uh, as we saw in Florida. You don't think that there might be that type of hey, this is all we have right now, and you know that the Tampa's going to come out and, and just you know have you know use that as an inspiration to really come out and 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 play at a, an extremely high level like like the the uh, Saints did a few years back. You know, I think, I mean, you could definitely make the argument, but I think you can also make the argument, I mean, look at what Houston did last week. I mean, granted, they didn't have that bye week, but, I mean, Houston came out and completely crapped the bed. I mean, <laughs> and, I mean, and, and not, you know, not trying to compare hurricanes, but the damage that Houston had was a lot worse than what Tampa Bay had. Tampa Bay barely got clipped. I mean, I understand there's a lot of emotional, you know, that goes into it. I'm not trying to make that comparison, but I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I think maybe the situations are different. And who knows? Like I said, maybe I'm being optimistic. And, and, and it could go exactly the way you're saying. I mean, I think they're either going to come out extremely pumped and they're going to run over the Bears or the more likely scenario, at least in my mind, is they're going to come out flat. And I think there's a lot of distractions that have been going on. And I think I think the Bears are going to look sharper. Yeah. That's just my take. I don't know. That's a good That's a good point about Houston and how, how bad they did look last week doesn't necessarily mean that uh, – you know they're going to come out and explode the way that the the Saints did, uh, which was so long to draw. It, it amazes me how it makes me feel old. But yeah, I'm just taking a look right now. Tampa Bay hasn't played a game in 22 days, and, and like you mentioned, has had two practices in the past 15 days. So they're really only going to get, uh, you know, about three practices and then a walkthrough over the last two weeks. You know, and not having played for, you know. It'll probably, you know, we're looking at, you know, two or three and a half weeks from the last time they played by the time they kick off on Sunday. It's tough. It's going to be tough. And another good thing or something that was pointed out to me today is that Winston is, uh, uh, Jameis Winston, the quarterback for the Buccaneers, is a notorious slow starter. Um, he, I think he had a, a really good game last year in the, in the opening uh, in the opener, but then he he went on in his first four games. He threw seven picks. Uh, the Buccaneers went one and three. His rookie year, I think he threw eight interceptions in his first four games. So it has historically taken Winston a while to get going, and now he has all this you know all this time off that he was forced into away from his team. They weren't able to get uh, those reps together. Those reps that the Bears have been getting together this entire time. So I think when you take that into consideration, I think the Bears are definitely on the better end of that. And it's it's sad that that has to be the case or you know that a, 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 devast, a devastating hurricane like Irma has 
to be the case uh, for the Bears to get that type of advantage. But I do think that the Bears are much more prepared. Uh, I wouldn't say physically because they are much more banged up than the Buccaneers are, but they are more prepared uh, uh, mentally coming into this game to to potentially take advantage of a team that may not be ready and may have had uh, too much on their minds over the last couple of weeks to put football at the forefront and and understandably so but you know I think if the Bears if there was a time for the Bears to take advantage of a, a team that's not mentally prepared this might be it and you know getting a, ro- a, a road a, I'm sorry a win on the road uh, would be huge for this team a few things have to happen though and let's talk let's just we, we were talking about Mike Lennon so we'll, we'll, we'll discuss what the Bears have to do on offense uh, for the hope, uh, for the ru- sake of the rushing attack, hopefully Jordan Howard's shoulder injury is not a serious one. He's been a limited participant. I, I really don't think it's going to be a big deal. But you know, we talked last week about how the cat is out of the bag with Tariq Cohen. Do you think now that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the rest of the NFL have a have a some some film on Cohen? that they're going to be a little bit better prepared for him and that he may not be able to have as much of an impact? Or do you think Cohen is just that type of player who it doesn't matter how much you prepare for him, he's just so elusive, athletic, and can beat you in so many different ways that he's going to get his on a weekly basis? You know, I, I really think he's just that kind of player. Uh, I mean, look at look at what he did last week. I mean, there were multiple chances that Atlanta had where they were in good positions to make a play and it didn't happen. I mean, that, on that big run that he had, when he reversed field, once again, Brooks Reed. I mean, this is a guy that's not overly athletic. I mean, he had that, that should have been a tackle. But somehow, some way, because Tariq Cohen's Tariq Cohen, he was able to, you know, get around him and make a big play out of it. And I think, I, I think that's just the kind of player he is. I do think the Bears are going to have to be smart in the way that they use him. Uh, and I think, I, I really think that they need to put him and Jordan Howard on the field more. Uh, but, no, I, I think he's going to be somebody who's going to have an impact uh, a lot, all the time. I mean, I, I think he's just going to be that week in and week out. Uh, you know, maybe they, you know, double team him. Or they have, a, you know, safety over the top that covers him, you know, if he starts uh, stretching the field a little bit more. But, I mean, outside of that, I mean, what are you really going to do? I mean, the thing is, is you put him one-on-one with anybody, and even with some support, he's probably going to slip some tackles. I mean, that's he, he caused a penalty doing that because the guy got frustrated because they couldn't tackle him. Yeah, that's a good. That's a really good point, and you know, and it's an interesting situation with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it kind of gives you a, 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 in a microcosm the way that Tariq Cohen can screw with an opposing defense. Levante David is the weak side linebacker for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's the type of guy you have to really worry about on the blitz. He comes off the edge a lot. He's had uh, I want to I want to say seven sacks last season, or I'm I'm looking it up uh, five sacks last season, uh, seven sacks a few years ago. Guy who can get after the quarterback at, at that 4-3 outside linebacker position. He's also very good in coverage, and I think it's it's probably, he probably gives them the best matchup if you have to put a linebacker on Tariq Cohen. It's probably going to have to be David. So in that in that scenario, he can't come off the edge and rush, and that takes one of the better uh, edge rushers that the, uh, the the Buccaneers have, or kind of that that special edge rusher, you know, that guy that you really ha- kind of have to be aware of who comes every once in a while and can have that big play. David's most likely going to have to cover a, a guy like Cohen. So, it, you know, in those little situations like that, I think that's those are the types of things that Cohen can do to opposing defenses and kind of make them more one dimensional than they would be if they didn't have a, have to face a guy like him. But uh, I think I think we talked earlier getting the uh, the 
tight ends going earlier. That's really their only other option in the passing attack. And I think uh, along the defensive line, you have to make sure that you know where Gerald McCoy is at all time, a Pro Bowl, all-pro defensive tackle, one of the best three techniques in the game. He's the type of guy who, if Kyle Long's out there, it's going to really help to get him short up in the middle. But you can't put too much attention on him because Robert Ayers comes off the edge. He's very good. And like I said, if if they send David, uh, they have uh, a few weapons to get after uh, uh, Mike Lennon, who's really just just a statue back there. But Vernon Hargraves, Brent Grimes, those are very good corners. I don't think the Bears uh, match up well against either one of those guys. And I think really their their best option when you just look at the at this overall defense, the best option is going to be trying uh, getting those matchups against the linebackers with your tight ends and uh, Tariq Cohen. Anything else you want to add on the offensive side of the ball? I think a big a big thing that they need to try to do is I think they need to take the training wheels off of Glennon, and I think a lot of that's going to come down to making on you know down down field plays happen. I mean they've got to stretch the field somehow, and I think uh, you know they're going to have a few deep options this this week that they're going to need to take advantage of, and I think that starts this week because teams are going to start stacking eight in the box consistently and challenging Glennon to beat them if if they can't somehow figure this out. So I would say. Uh, you know, big key on offense for them is obviously staying. They, I mean, they got to stay committed to the run and rely on their tight ends more. I thought Deion Sims was very good, uh, and I think he has the ability to. I mean, he was open a lot. Uh, that was one of the things I noticed in all 22. He was open a lot, but I think they really need to stretch the field uh, with some outside threats, even if it's just you know consistent you know nine routes from uh, from Wheaton if he plays or Tanner Gentry running deep the whole entire time. I mean, they they've got to do something to keep the defense honest. Great. Moving over to the offensive side of the ball, or, or the defensive side of the ball for the Bears. Talking about the Buccaneers' offense, Jameis Winston, obviously one of the better young quarterbacks uh, to come into the game in a while. I, so I was told, and I, don't quote me on this, but I believe he's the only NFL quarterback to pass for more than 4,000 yards in his first two seasons, uh, which kind of gives you an idea of the type of production that he's had. Hasn't been perfect uh, during his time in Tampa Bay, but you've seen that uh, development with him. And he's, you know, last year toward the end of the year, he was playing. A lot of people talking to MVP about him the way he was playing last year. Uh, has some more weapons that he had last year. Deshaun Jackson was brought in. OJ Howard they drafted, which gives him a really uh, powerful two tight end set with uh, Cameron Brait. The thing that gives me hope with uh, uh, against this uh, offense is uh, Jacquez Rogers is their number one running back, and I'm, I'm, that's not uh, to to not quiz. He was one of my favorite guys when he played with the Bears, uh, but he's a special teams guy, and he, he's your number one guy. And the Bears just shut down one of the most one of the best uh, one two punches in the NFL in uh, Devonta Freeman and and and, and Coleman. With, with the Falcons, is there any chance the Buccaneers can get the run game going with Rodgers? I would be surprised. I, I really would. I mean, I, I think the Bears' biggest key off uh, defensively is going to be the fact that they've got to make Jameis Winston pass the ball. I mean, he's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking him at all, but he's also somebody who's prone to turn the ball over. I mean, he had uh, – what was it? I'm looking right now. I think he had – I think it was 18 interceptions yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah 18 right. interceptions. 18 interceptions and he had 10 fumbles and six of those were lost. I mean, we're talking basically uh, what pretty close to two turnovers a game that he was averaging. You know, turnover and a half, a little bit more than that. So, 
I, I, I think the Bears are, are best going to be served being able to stop a run, which I don't think should be a big issue. I mean, the, the Tampa Bay's offensive line, especially the interior, isn't overly good. Uh, they got J.R. Sweezy starting at guard. That's usually never a good thing. <laughs> so I think that's going to be something. I mean, don't get me wrong. They have they have a good team. They're a good team. I'm not trying to knock them. But I, I think their best, their best case scenario was going to be you know, stopping the run and forcing Jameis Winston to pass, but something that we saw last year that cannot happen this year is you've got to contain him in the pocket. I mean, the dude is athletic and he's big. I mean, you've you've got to be able to contain him because he had that one throw last year, and it was it was kind of almost like that Matt Ryan throw where he had absolutely zero business not being sacked. Somehow got out of it. I think he avoided Leonard Floyd, got out of the sack, and then threw a, a bomb downfield. I mean, yeah. that's that's the kind of stuff. I mean, they got to be able to contain him, but if if they can get him to throw the ball, the Bears' defense needs turnovers. I mean, we talked about it earlier on in the week, and, I mean, that's that's a big key for them. I mean, turnovers are going to be a big key for them all year to be able to win games, and I think that starts this week with a with a team that's a little bit more turnover-prone. Yeah, the Bears are one, I, I really believe, one turnover away from winning last week, and that might be the case this week, and that you make a really great point about how turnover-prone Winston has been. You know he's going to put the ball in uh, harm's way at least a couple of times, and, and that hap- it seems to happen every week for the Bears that just – hardly ever able to take advantage of those opportunities so that that's the key if they get those opportunities they have to secure those interceptions they have to wrap up those fumbles as you know he's going to put one on the ground or he's going to put a few uh in the hands of the defense you know pull them in lock them in get those turnovers and that might be the difference in a victory but I think in the passing attack, like you said, he's got to get he he must stay in the pocket. He's got that big Ben Roethlisberger size, where even if you get your hands on him, uh, he, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to bring him down. So you know you not only have to hit him, you have to hit him hard, and then you have to hit him again with somebody else. And I think you bring up a good point about having Jr. Sweezy out there. He missed all of 2016. That's your right guard who hasn't played a game since 2015 who's going to get a whole lot of Akeem Hicks and I think this is another one of those games where Hicks could be absolutely dominant uh, and you know have another uh, two sack game I really don't see why he wouldn't be able to against a player like Sweezy and I think what the if the Bears are smart and I know Vic Fangio is I think and just from my perspective what I would do is if they're going to pay so much attention to Akeem Hicks on one side get Floyd on that side next to him and get Floyd those one-on-one opportunities we talked about it earlier in the week how how disappointing it was uh from floyd from a pass rush perspective against the atlanta falcons that can't happen again this week against the tampa bay buccaneers he's got to get pressure because i don't think uh that we're ever going to see the same willie young that we ever knew pernell mcphee doesn't look like he's uh anywhere near 100 percent. and sam macho is, is a run defender so if it doesn't come from floyd it doesn't come from anyone so the bears have to figure out ways whether that's uh using stunts letting him play a rover uh role and moving around a little bit figure out some way to get floyd after Jameis winston because that's like you said you get a little bit of pressure on him he's going to put the ball into harm's way i one thing i want we only have a few minutes left and one thing i want to bring up and i tried to discuss this today with vic fangio and he had no interest in talking about it but when you go back and you look at the all 22 tape the game last week austin hooper running wide open down the right seam for an 88-yard touchdown. When you looked at the tape, and I mentioned it in the, in the podcast last week before I even had seen the tape, I said I would bet that Quentin Demps was running on the other side of the field track and 
uh, Julio Jones. And sure enough, when I went and watched the tape, that's exactly what happened. Quentin Demps had no idea Austin Hooper was running down the middle of the field because he was looking at the total other opposite sideline. By the time by the time Hooper caught the ball, Quentin Demps was probably a good ten yards on uh, on the other side of the far hash. That's how far he had gotten. And I tried to ask Fangio about it. He didn't want to distress the play. He obviously was didn't want to rehash a, a, a play that really cost him a, a victory. But I think that is a, a an issue that you're going to have with Mike Evans this week. If you start, if you try and pay too much attention to him, if you're so focused on making sure that he's not going to beat you, then somebody else is going to beat you. And his name is Deshaun Jackson, who, like Marcus Wheat and some of the other guys that the Bears have, can really beat you over the top. And if, if Quentin Demps is paying paying too much attention to to Mike Evans. Deshaun Jackson is going to get a couple of huge ones. That's going to put a lot of pressure on Eddie Jackson in this game too. So I think that those safeties against what the uh, you know the, the deep threat that the, the Falcons or I'm sorry that the Buccaneers bring from a two wide receiver receiver perspective really going to show us a lot about these safeties and just about the secondary in general. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think I, I think the key, at least for me, the key to the Bears winning the game is all going to be controlled in the trenches. And I think a lot of it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball because if they can stop the run and they can get a, a decent pass rush, I think they're going to be in good shape. And I, I think the same thing on the other side of the ball. If the Bears' offensive line can somehow give Glennon a block wall and he just has to look over and throw the ball, I think I think they're going to be in good shape. Uh, but and that's that's a big task, especially with the offensive line. But I, I think the the defense uh, as a whole. I think the front seven, but especially those the the, the pass rushers and the, the defensive line. I mean, it's going to be that's where the game's going to be won and lost, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And I think turnovers are going to be huge. I think if the Bears can just get one or two turnovers, win that turnover battle, something that they haven't done in a long time, especially in a road game, that's going to give them an opportunity to win. And, and you know, a couple plays here and there, and that they should be right in this one. Remember though, this is a team last year where the Bears were coming off one of their best wins against the Vikings. The Bears were feeling great, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers came out and just blew them out. So this is a very good team that got better over the offseason so uh, this isn't as if the Bears are going to be favored in this contest by any means but I do think the Bears have a, a decent chance of winning this game I'll let you start what's your prediction I'm gonna go uh, 23-20 I think the Bears are going to win this game uh, like I said it's nothing against Tampa Bay I just I think a lot of things are stacking up well for them this is a the game that I had uh, circled on the schedule as a possible win for them and I think I mean, they've historically they've done pretty good against Tampa Bay, and I, I think just with Glennon knowing what he knows, uh, I think this is going to be the best situation that he's going to be in probably all year. So it's now or never, and I think there's a lot on the line for the Bears. They may not say it, but starting off 0-2 is is a pretty big deal given what's happened the last two years. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right with you. I, I I I'm not saying that the Bears are a better team here. But I think just the, the scenario, the situation that you look at the Bucks are in, not having practiced in a couple of weeks, I think a lot of things are just aligned for the for the Bears to potentially come out and get a, a road victory. I'm going 1917. I think this is going to come down to a last second Connor Barth, Connor Barth field goal, uh, and he's going to knock it right through. That's it, guys, for our second. Uh, podcast of week two we will be back next monday to recap this uh week two contest against the tampa bay buccaneers hopefully for the sake of bears fans we are talking about a one-on-one bears team be sure to follow aaron lemming on twitter at aaron lemming nfl and give me a follow as well at bear report check out all our work at the bearreport.com uh internet page it's on the interweb internet page as well as on our facebook page and if you haven't subscribed to this podcast be sure to do it on itunes that's it guys we'll be back on monday have a great weekend it's happening daily 
We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com